And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything in accordance to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Thank you, uh, Sarah, very much. And a very good morning to you, particularly if this is your first time to HTC. Great to have you. I'm Ed. I'm on the staff team here. Uh, let me say a prayer, and we will dig into that passage. That famous carol we'll be singing in a couple of weeks' time says, Heart the herald angels sing, glory be to the newborn king. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Father, we thank you for the glories of that old hymn, and yet we long that this morning we would know the, the newness of it afresh, that it's not just an old carol we sing in a few weeks, but it's a living reality we know in our hearts right now, new life, new birth in the Son, in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Well, um, you might have seen, if you get Jakey's emails on a Friday morning, the very sad news you would have seen in the news anyway about Matthew Perry, the star of the Friends sitcom, which for 10 years dominated TV. You'll remember, Friday nights maybe, 9 o'clock, 94 till 2004, Channel 4. Uh, we used to watch it in our household, sitting in the sofa. But Chandler was the master of one witty line. So here's one he said, uh, I say more dumb things before 9am than most people, most people say in a day. And we're after 9 o'clock, so we'll see what happens today. But Chandler was so witty, so quick, so fast in his humour. And yet underneath that, there was a very different story, perhaps you've seen in the news. His autobiography, which came out last year, which I really recommend, especially if you listen to it on Audible, you can hear him narrate it, and it, oh, it, it gets your heart, I tell you. Well, this is what he said at various points in that. He wrote this. On the outside, I looked like the luckiest man in the world, but nothing could fill the hole inside me. 
Maybe I was always trying to fill a spiritual hole with a material thing. I was so lonely that it hurt. I could feel the loneliness in my bones. I had that slow creeping thought that I was irredeemably not enough. I was lost. A chasm that has never left me, wanting love, but terrified of being abandoned. A permanent, unaccompanied minor. It, it makes you cry, the book. It's worth getting, though. Cry at times with humour, but cry at other times with this great soul-wrenching loneliness and pain that he knew so deeply. From teenage years, he wrestled with addictions to alcohol and drugs, and he spiralled and he spiralled rehab after rehab, and yet he battled on, battled on so admirably. And yet, tragically, he died accidentally, it seems, last Sunday afternoon. And yet, friends... Literally, friends, that sitcom is so real, so human, just as Matthew Perry is in his book. Because family and friends, that's why they're so precious to us. Because we need to know that we're not alone, that someone's got our back. What is the theme tune of Friends? I'll be there for you when the rain starts to fall. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. We all long for that, to have someone by our side saying, I am there for you, come rain or shine. And I guess as we're in church this morning, we know something of what Perry was saying there, that actually you can try and fill that spiritual hole in material places, and it just doesn't work. And so if we're Christians, we know something of the glory of John 15, where Jesus says, I don't call you servants anymore, I call you friends. And from the depths of his heart, he sings to us, I'll be there for you when the rain starts to fall. And yet... And yet, we can believe that. We can tick that box. I believe that. And yet, we, we, we can struggle to know it, to feel it in our bones, can't we? Because there is a difference between faith and assurance of faith. That sense in which you know deep, 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 not just that you've got him, but he's got you, and he's got his arms wrapped around you. Assurance can make all the difference in the world. I, I think of my nephew and niece, here they are, the cheeky chappies, uh, Jonty and Izzy. I heard the other day of a story from their uh, dad uh, that they went on a zip wire, you know, top of a hill or whatever it was, on a zip wire. They both clipped in, clipped into their dad, clipped into the wire. They both had faith, they clipped in. But their experiences of this zip wire was poles apart. For Izzy, little Izzy, bless her, she's nine or ten now, um, she wasn't the most confident, let's say. She, as, she, as she jumped off the thing with her dad, clipped in, boom, 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 onto the steel rope, she was screaming her head off from a little soul. You couldn't hear anything else, just this screech. Her eyes were shut. She was holding on tight. She was terrified. <laughs> She'd had faith. She'd clipped in, but she lacked an assurance that she was safe. Jonty, who's a bit of a cool customer, as you can say, oh, he's gone. Very different story. He is as cool as a cucumber. He clips in and he is loving it. His eyes are wide open. His arms are in the sky. He is howling with delight. Not just because he's got faith that his dad and the rope hold him, but because he's assured of that. He knows it. And that is just what John, the Apostle John, Jesus' closest friend, is all about here in this letter in 1 John. Not just knowing, but being assured. Not just clipping in, but being confident of that clipping in. So John 1, or 1 John 5, 13, he says this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know 
that you have eternal life. See the distinction there? To believe in Jesus, yes. To clip in, yes, I, I do that. But actually, to be assured and confident and know in your bones that he's got you forever and a day, that is, that's another level. <laughs> and yet it's a level that the Lord Jesus wants to take us to in his mercy by the power of the Spirit, even this morning, to not just clip in, but to know that we're held. So two things we'll see in our passage this morning. More sort of a theme, I have to say, rather than a great tight expositional uh, look at this passage. But two things. One is the, the Spirit who gives new birth and the Son who gives new life. That's what we're going to see this morning. So firstly then, the Spirit who gives new life. John, the Apostle John, loves talking about new birth. It's one of his favourite themes, both in this letter and in his Gospel. It occurs nearly 20 times in 1 John alone. So here's a few examples. We just read one of them. Verse 1 of chapter 5, everyone who believes that Jesus the Christ is born of God. 18, we know that anyone born of God doesn't continue to sin. 19, we know that we are children of God. See that language, being born of God. And that, of course, is a favourite theme of Jesus himself. So in John's Gospel in chapter 3, John's talking, uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus who was, you know, a religious, respectable, well-to-do sort of guy, maybe a sort of Clapham sort of type of his day, and he knew, knew what he was doing. But Jesus says, you know what, you Nicodemus? No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This picture of new birth by the Spirit, being born again. It can sound a bit odd, a bit wacky, a bit eccentric, maybe, if we're new to Christian things. But that idea of new, new change, a new inner person, to be honest, you don't even need to be a Christian to appreciate that. So here's two different voices from the non-Christian world. Uh, here's Ryan Wilson. He's from the US office. Funny guy, very funny guy. Big into um, sort of pick and mix Religion, really. He likes to take the best, the best of different faiths. And he's written this book, Soul Boom, Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution. Fascinating. You can get it at Clapham Books. I've been dipping into it without buying it uh, uh, recently, just <laughs> popping in. And uh, naughty. But this is what he says in that book. He quotes a Baha'i teacher who says this, We need a change of heart, a new orientation for all our activities. The inward life of a person has to be reshaped if human salvation is to be secured. He's not even a follower of Jesus, and yet he knows something new is needed. Or think of the atheist writer, Matthew Paris. He's a journalist for the Times, and some years ago he wrote this in the Times. Fascinating. He knows he's a confirmed atheist, he says, but even in Africa, where he grew up in Malawi, he says secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts alone will not do. He says, in Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. It liberates. That is music to your ears, isn't it? This is someone who's not a Christian acknowledging that there's something inside that makes Christianity different and that you need and that is so vital. The modern voice is echoing something that's been said 
thousands of years ago by the Lord himself in his words. But the thing is about this new birth, the humbling thing about this new birth is that it is something that we cannot do for ourselves. That book says, if you pay 22 quid, it's got seven tips on how to get a spiritual revolution inside yourself. Boom, 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 you got it. Jesus says, no, I've got to do this for you, he says. A revolution that he alone can bring in our hearts. The passive tense again and again is vital as we look at 1 John. Everyone born of God, born of God. It's something done to you, for you can't make yourself born, can you? So let's choose our rector, for example. Um, Jago, just tell us, where, uh, where were you born? In, and it was 1970, 60, 70, 1970s? Yeah, 70, 76, yeah, okay. And uh, which place in the country? Birmingham, oh, that's very nice. Well, lovely, Capri Worlds. Well, interesting, and why do you choose Birmingham? Why the 70s, not the 80s, Jago? Didn't choose, he couldn't choose. Just like you and I, you cannot choose where you were born, to whom you were born, or where. It was out of our hands. You were but a twinkle in your father's eye once upon a time, just as I was. It happens to you. If that's true physically, how much more true spiritually? God has to do something in us and for us in a way that we can't manufacture ourselves. It's so humbling. Because naturally, I'm as... I'm a deaf. My ears are deaf, spiritually speaking. I'm as blind as a bat. My heart is as cold as ice. I need someone from outside. And that is just what the Lord promises. Centuries before Jesus came, God promises in Ezekiel 36, he says this, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Amazing, isn't it? He does the revolution for us. It's a gift, this new birth. As the Spirit blows wherever he chooses, Storm Chiara has been blowing wherever it's wanted. Well, so too the Spirit comes not to destroy, but to give life as we come to Christ. And of course, we're all invited. We're called to put our faith in Jesus. But in some mysterious way, at the very same time as that command comes this reassurance, this steel anchor, like that zip wire that holds us that it's the Spirit who brings this new birth. It's not something you ever made for yourself or for myself. And can I suggest two things? If we got this, if you and I walked out of here getting this more, what would change? Well, let me suggest two things. It's liberating and it's lavish. It's liberating because so much in life is about proving yourself, isn't it, and making the grades. I'll get in if I make that target. Matthew Perry spoke of that himself. In rehearsals, he wrote in his book, if I didn't get the laugh that I was supposed to get, I would freak out. I felt that pressure every single night. And as we saw, he said, I felt irredeemably not enough. There was someone, as we all can be in so many ways, with a sense of being on the performance treadmill, performing, 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 the pressure to make the grade. But this is saying, the Christian life begins and carries on, not by what we do and how we perform, 
not our performance, but his promises. Not my, not my sheer grit, but his sovereign grace. It's not me turning over a new leaf again and again. No, it's me receiving his new birth from outside of myself. This is humbling, but it's liberating. If we get it, and gosh, don't we need to get it more and more. I wonder if you know that sense of liberty this morning. The Spirit is giving you new life if you're in Christ, outside of you. It's liberty, it brings liberty, it's liberating, but it's also, it is lavish. We see a love of God that is lavish in this, because I guess all of us, like Matthew Perry talks about in his book, of, of wanting love but feeling terrified of being abandoned, of, of being a permanent, unaccompanied minor, well, all of us, to some degree, will know what it's like to be part of a family that's broken. You know, that sense in which you... You're not sure if the love that you give or get was just the leftovers of what's there. And you long for someone sitting on the sofa where they say, I'll be there for you when the rain comes in. And we long to hear someone say that and mean it forever. But the new birth tells us that this love of Christ in giving us the new birth, it is is such that that means there's, there's not a single second now where the sofa's empty. It means you will never be unaccompanied ever again. It means you cannot be abandoned because he's with you. You're in the family. You've been born into the family. It's a permanent thing. You can't get out of the family. <laughs> the birth certificate's signed. The adoption order's been made from not the Supreme Court, but the heavenly courts of heaven, and therefore it can't be revoked, it can't be appealed, it's done, signed, sealed, delivered by God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. You're in, you're in the family. It's not provisional, it's permanent. This is a lavish love that's got you tighter than those strong cables holding Izzy and John T. This is lavish. And to grow as a Christian, to know more of this assurance is to know how tight those steel bands of love are around you and me. And we all need to grow in that, so I do. Because otherwise we can tie ourselves in knots. Am I, am I the real deal? Am I a real Christian? This is saying, no, you're held by him. Not your hold of him, but his hold of you because of the new birth. So the Spirit, he gives new birth. He gives new birth. But secondly, and more briefly, the, the, the Son gives new life. Two sides of the same coin, really. The Spirit's at work, but the Son, he gives new life. Look with me at verse 13, which is sort of John's theme tune of his whole letter. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you might know that you have eternal life. That's why he's writing life in his Son. But look at just above that where we started, verse 11. This is his testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever doesn't have the son doesn't have life. See that? There is, there is eternal life given. It's, it's yours. It's there. So here we go. Here's a little lunchbox with a nice little cookie inside if you'd like one at the end. But here it's eternal life, if you imagine, is this box. It's given to you. It's given. We've seen that verse 11. He has given us eternal life. But what's interesting is where it is. 11, this life is in his son. And that's brought again in verse 20. 
Skip it on to the end. We are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. So this gift of eternal life is, is, doesn't come sort of flying, I'll just catch it. No, it's in something. It's in Christ. They're one and the same thing. John 1 verse 2 talks about that at the beginning of the letter. It's in him, the same thing, life in Christ. So if you have Christ, you've got life. But then there's a whole other level too, because look at us. We can be in Christ himself. Verse 20 again. We know, we, he's written this, that we might know him who is true. We are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. So it's not just that life eternal is in Christ, as we saw. There you go, have Christ because in him is life. No, it's you and I, when we come to Jesus, we're placed in Christ. Boom, nice, safe. You're in him forever and a day. It is so amazing. It's what theologians, theologians call union with Christ. Intimate connection, joined up with Christ like nothing else. And the Bible overflows with metaphor after metaphor to, to tease our imagination, to try and get us to sit in this reality that though it's mysterious, is no less true because of that. So it's like a husband and wife united in marriage. It's like a vine and a branch where the branch is utterly dependent on the vine. It's like a head attached to the body. It's like a body inside clothes. And again and again, the metaphors roll out. That is how close you and I are to Jesus Christ by faith. <laughs> you are united to him if, if you trust in him this morning. You can't get any closer. Which means wherever he goes, I go <laughs> because I'm in him. Wherever he is, I am, spiritually speaking. So let me try and illustrate that. Tomorrow morning, if you go up to work in the city, perhaps, you'll hop on the, you know, you'll dash down the train, the steps of the tube, you'll hop on the train, first car, carriage in front of the, 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 the driver carriage, just because you want to get off first at the other end. And you get on the carriage, heading up to, I don't know, Hyde Barnet, wherever the, new, the, the, the Northern Line goes. But you, you get on that carriage, knowing that you're going where the driver's going. And the driver, well, he will go through deep, deep, dark tunnels. And eventually, he'll get to the glorious dizzy heights, if they're dizzy and glorious, in Hibernia. He'll make the sunny light. He'll make the daylight, the daylight. And you, because you're attached to the driver, the carriage behind him, you're linked up. So that means where he's gone, you've gone. Also, into the glories of Hibernia. How much more true... To be attached to Jesus Christ by the Spirit is, is such a glorious thing because it means that we too have gone with Christ through his death and resurrection, through the deep, dark tunnels of death, through to the other side of the glorious sunshine, not of Barnet, but the eternal fatherly welcome in glory. We can stand in that everlasting life because we're attached to the Lord of life, the sustainer of life. If we're attached to him, well, that life is now ours. The tenses are fascinating there. Did you notice that in verse 11? God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. It's a past and it's a present thing. It's not just a future thing. Some of us, I know, know that fear of, to be honest, we don't actually know what's around the tunnel. We wonder what, when our time comes, Will it be daylight for us? 
think of a relative who said to me in COVID times, I am terrified of death. And he, he said, none of us can know what's next. But this is saying, no, you can know. John wants us to know, not just to believe, but to know, to be assured like John T, that he's got you. Not just as a vague, wishful hope, maybe eternal life, but as a reality that you've got now to enjoy. Let me close by trying to illustrate that. Um, I was um, visiting an old friend, literally an old friend, he's nearly 90, the other day, um, David. And he, well, he's more of an Izzy than a Jaunty. He's a sort of more Eeyore than Tigger when it comes to his faith. And he's a sort of introspective type. And he, um, like maybe we can at times, wrap himself up in knots, to be honest. And he, as he gets closer to the finishing line, his wife's already died a few years ago. And he's at home with his carer. And in, alone is his thoughts, he, he fears, what will Jesus say when I see him? Will he welcome me? Am I really his? He's an ordained minister, this friend of mine. And yet he's sometimes wrestling with wondering if he knows this eternal life for himself. Well, there we were sitting in our armchairs, armchair each, in his little house. And if he said that to you, I wonder what you'd say. What would you say to a friend like that? I just don't know if I've got life eternal. I wonder what you'd say. Well, uh, as a good pastor, I I said, um, uh, I wonder when the tea's coming. (laughs) Uh, 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 I hope it's going to come soon. I sort of looked at my toes. And uh, he said, I hope so, hope so. I hope the, the carer should be bringing it in soon. The hope of the tea was a future thing. And sure enough, a couple of minutes later, in came the chinkling china of the tea. And the carer, Vilma, she brought in the tea and put it on the coffee table. The tea had once been a future thing, but now it was a past thing. It had been given to us. It was ours. It had been delivered. And then we both... Well, I poured the tea from the lovely China teapot, which I don't often use, I have to say. Poured it into the tea mug, and we both had a cup of tea. And we sat there with our hands around our cups like this, taking a cup of tea to our lips. The tea had been a future thing. It had been a past thing. It had been given. Now it was a present thing. It was warming our hands as we held it. And I thought, hmm, there must be a picture in that. And we looked at 1 John 5, verse 11 together. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. And so I said to David, David, you know what? It's a bit like this. God has given us eternal life in Jesus Christ. It's been given. It's a past thing. It's a past tense. It's not an accident. It's been given past thing it was a future thing like the tea I hope but no it's a past thing now but more than that it is a present thing David the way you are craving that cup of tea you're holding it it's a present thing now because it's been given it's not a future thing anymore not even a past thing it's a present reality a cup of tea he liked that (laughs) as he slurped from his tea but here's the thing so too with us God in Christ has given us life in his son and we hold him by faith. 
And that means if we have him, we have life. An eternal life at that. And that isn't a future wishful hope. We don't know what's at the end of the time. It's a present thing now that we can enjoy. Which means in a minute you can walk out that, those doors. If you take this with you, not just holding a mug, but holding eternal life itself. And to be a Christian, to, to be an assured Christian, is not just to believe that, but to know it in your bones which is a lifelong thing, isn't it? To grow and mature in that assurance that Christ wants to give us. Because at the end of the day, it's not our hold of him. It's not Izzy's grip on the zip wire that's holding her. She needs to clip it and she needs faith. But more importantly is the zip wire's her dad's hold of her. And so too with us, we are given new birth by the Spirit. We are given new life in the Son you just receive it and hold it and receive it and say thank you. From that comes a whole Christian life of joy, of prayerfulness, of energy, of zeal for his service. Because we're held by him tighter than any steel rope or wire is his lavish, liberating love for you and me. Wouldn't you love to know that more? So that, like the words of friends... Jesus Christ is the great friend who says, I'll be there for you when the rain comes in. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. The spirit who gives new birth, the son who gives new life. Amen.